You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John, and thank you for having me on. You're welcome. It's uh, time for two more episodes of Ultra Q. This time, episodes 24 and 25. That's the Idol of Goga and the Devil Child. Starting with the Idol of Goga. At a shadowy underground meeting, an international art collector of dubious ethics anticipates the arrival of his newest acquisition, the Idol of Goga. The idol is arriving in Japan in the hands of the ambassador's daughter, although neither she nor her parents know she's being used as an unwitting mule. After their arrival in Japan, an accomplice on the plane takes the idol, and when the daughter tries to get her doll back, she is kidnapped. A man is following them and is almost killed as the getaway car is used as a booby-trapped decoy. Eileen, the woman who took the statue, is taken to Mr. Iwakura, the collector, and turns over the statue to him. The idol, of course, is cursed and promises a curse of 6,000 years upon the arrogant ones. Jun, Ipe, and Yuriko are investigating the theft and kidnapping. The idol passes the authenticity test, but Eileen notices that something is growing inside of it, but Iwakura takes no heed. Eileen is actually a fake and in cahoots with a man that was following her at the airport. The statue's eyes glow, then it shoots the face off of one of Irakura's men, then breaks, revealing a disturbingly large snail inside. Eileen's accomplice is circling Irakura's house and is identified by Irakura's men. He's also killed by them while driving his car, which continues to drive. Luckily, it passes June, Ipe, and Yuriko, and they chase the car down, and in a bit of heroics, June leaps over and stops the car. June hears radio communications from Eileen telling her cohort where the statue is. She doesn't know he is dead. The gang walk right into Iwakura's house and ask at the front desk if they're holding a kidnapped child. Turns out that's a good way to get escorted to an underground strongroom and sentenced to death. Eileen has also been rumbled. She's been identified as Liang Ming, antiquities expert. She's trying to escape with the girl. Meanwhile, Goga continues to get bigger, burning more faces, and generally wrecking the facility. In the chaos, Iwakura and all his men, save one, are killed. That man, prior to his boss's death and destruction of his entire building by a giant snail, was tasked with killing Liang Bing, and he will carry out his orders to the letter. At Military HQ, Liang Ming suggests blasting the snail's eyes with caustic potash and explosives to blind it, giving them the opportunity to burn it. Ipe gets to shine as Bazooka Shoulder Man, and in the confusion, Iwakura's killer is squashed by the snail. Potash and fire do the trick, and the snail is destroyed. Or is it? <sighs> or is it? It may come back dun, someday. Dun, dun. The arrogant ones, yes. Ah, uh, well, what'd you think? Uh, they kept the little kids to a minimum, so that was good. That was good. There was only that one was... of them, so they couldn't get into cahoots with the other little kids. Yep, so, that was yeah. good. That no cahooting? Fine. No cahooting, yes. And the kid wasn't that bad? No, no. Just an unwitting mule. Yeah, she's a little bit stupid there, thinking that was a doll. Um, yeah. But, uh, 
I guess, you know, a doll is whatever a doll is. Um, so, you know, the funny thing is this reminded me a lot of, and I'm not saying a great one, but this reminded me a bit of a Hammer horror film. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely has that sort of intrigue, and then there is this supernatural element running along in the back that's ultimately just going to start slaughtering people. And, and that is genuinely what I thought of when I, by the time I came out of the end of this one, particularly when they were down in the reliquaries rooms and the, you know, the thing is creeping around, killing people. Uh, once it got to be giant kaiju at the end, it was a little bit, uh, a little less so, but, but yeah, it definitely had that vibe for me. And as such, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't hate it. Oh it was, no. It was uh, all right. You know? Compared to the recent ones we've seen, this was definitely one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. But it was still, I don't know, just sort of all over the place. Well, that's kind of par for the course with this show. It is. It is. Like, uh, all right, there's this uh, idle robbery plot, and then there's the counter-espionage plot, and the kidnapped girl is an afterthought. Yeah, I don't... Um, I'm not really sure why they threw that in there, other than to maybe get, you know, the heroic reporters and aviators interested in trying to figure out where the kid's gone could be it could be it's a little bit extra jeopardy there for the for the child um it didn't really seem to make much difference if the child had uh had been captured or not because uh you know yeah, they I seem mean, to know everything about the people that kidnapped her anyway right i think what would have been better is just maybe the the ambassador's daughter was found um you know, released at a at Tokyo train station, and she reports that the doll she had, which is, I don't know, for some reason why June and Ippe want to investigate this, is being held at such and such place or something like that. I don't know. Some, yeah, it, it the the tie in with that just doesn't seem as as smooth as it could have been. Yeah, it, it, it really, I don't know. Maybe we could maybe make an argument that that Liang Ming. Not Eileen, but we could call her either name because that's what she goes by both. Right. We could we could make the argument that she, since she is, quote unquote, the good guy, mm-hmm. that she grabbed the child and kidnapped the child rather than let the other guys just shoot the kid. You know, because the other guys in the car were bad guys and they don't want to be identified. And so maybe they would have just pulled out a gun and, and shot her. And so she Maybe. thought this is the only way to save her. But since we don't get any dialogue to that effect. Yeah, but still, it, even that, you know, they could have just said, you know, uh, you know, here's uh, here's some cotton candy kid. Go uh, yeah, get out of here. Or, or here's another doll or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, not that they would have an extra doll lying around. but well, uh, They should have planned or, for that. Or just, just brush her off. And, you know, they could have played on the whole, well, who's going to believe a little kid? But here's the thing. They knew all about it anyway. The kid is kidnapped. But mm-hmm. June and Ipe and the, the newspaper crew know that a woman got on the plane, gave the child, quote, the doll. Then another woman befriended her on the flight. And after they got through, I guess, customs, then that woman is Eileen and she took the doll back. So, I mean, it was very intricately planned and... Really relied a lot on, I don't know, a little kid taking a doll from a stranger and the parents not minding and the parents not looking at it and going, huh, 
That looks more like an antiquity, or you know, that's a pretty ugly doll. Or that's a pretty ugly doll. Yeah, or she's going to break it because it's made of pottery, or yeah. you know, any number of things. Mm-hmm. But Junipe and Yuriko knew all that. They yeah. even had pictures of the people, so it's not like the child was going to identify anybody. They already know. Right. Right. So that part was that part was just. I don't know, maybe the writers or the directors had a mandate of always having some sort of a kid tie-in somewhere. And that was the only way they could figure out how to do it. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it, it's possible. I, I, We've seen enough kids lately that it seems possible uh, mm-hmm. that they just said we have to have a kid in there. We'll, we'll, I right. guess we'll know because we are, running, we are running out of episodes here quite rapidly. So uh, Maybe it was in a... Um... A slot of the airtime where they had to have some kids in it. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't think it started that, that way. My my guess is they probably back were then. making it up as they went, and somewhere midway through the show, they said, "Well, boss, the kids' demographic is valuable. Go for yeah. it." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're not getting enough kids aged two through twelve watching the show. So exactly. So more kids. You heard them. Do it. Let me yep. gnaw on this cigar for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. um i thought um this totally totally and utterly uh meaningless observation but i'll make it anyway because yeah why not the well you and i have both been to japan not at the same time yep um and by and large i didn't spend much time on the freeways in japan no i didn't either At, at one point i was on a bus and we went out to nico and uh that giant cat w- <laughs> no that's neko <laughs> oh those are wafers <laughs> yes and uh <laughs> i wasn't paying a whole heck of a lot of attention to that uh, you know i'm looking more but uh this one they did a lot of driving on the the elevated freeways and the mm-hmm. what stuff and it was like that is taipei <laughs> if if somebody had showed me that i would say that was shot in Taipei, because obviously they just stole their freeway design straight from Japan. But because I'm yeah, sure Japan had it for, works. Well, <laughs> for a variety of reasons, yeah, um, why Taiwan would follow Japan. But uh, uh, it, it really was it was uncanny. It was hmm. I was like I was looking at freeways that I could tell you where they were <laughs> in Taipei. It's like, oh, that's right there. But but it's not. It's obviously not. But it, it just was. Wow. Just dead on exact same style. So, was nostalgic after a year and a half of sitting in <laughs> pandemic <laughs> locked. <laughs> it's like oh, I'd love to see those freeways again. It's like, yeah. let's see what else do we have in this episode? Uh, cool spy gear. <laughs> the watch, or yeah. oh yeah, well we had the watch. We had the exploding uh, the the heel thingy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh her little brooch thing was uh I Yeah, what that was did. explosive, wasn't it? Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, the thing yeah. she threw at the door and that's and blew, right. which she could have done when they were trying to cut through the door and True. stick a gun through there and shoot them. She could have tossed it over there, blown that up, blown them up. But uh no. But all right, fine. Didn't want to kill people, that's all. Right. She's not a she's not a cold butter killer even though they're trying to kill her. I liked the snail up until it got giant. <laughs> well, isn't that always the case? Well, cat-sized, 
even when it was you know kind of bear sized it was it was acceptable it was acceptable but once it got to be big it just it lost it especially when it's shell horn started rotating like a a giant drill yeah like a giant drill that was that was yeah. a bit i like that the shell line i liked how the shell glowed it lit up nicely that was neat hmm. yeah it had uh, no plausible biological mechanism for that but yeah yeah it, it was it, it's it, a chronically it nice afraid effect. of the dark yeah could be it could be that i i really don't have a lot i i was kind of surprised about her accomplice if you want to call her accomplice, her, her fellow agent, uh, it seemed like he was going to have a much bigger part in this at the beginning. Yeah. You know, chasing down the car, finding the bomb, escaping. You think, oh, this is the kind of James Bond kind of guy driving that car back. How did he know that speed. there was a bomb? I don't know. He looked he at the saw... back of the car and got terrified and backed out of the warehouse. At Real warp fast. speed. Yes. I don't know. There must have been something that he saw that I didn't see, and I didn't go back and put, look. But he definitely saw something on the back of the trunk of the car, and I I don't know what it was. And, uh, you know, he, he's driving driving his convertible backwards, looking over his shoulder, never missing a beat, smoking a cigarette. Right. Uh, you know. That's how you can tell he's a professional. A secret agent, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, big explosion behind him and whatnot. I thought, you know, this is this is kind of the spy guy, but really then later we see him driving around the car and they just kill him. Yeah. Exactly. Bang. Oh. That was He's dead. That was it. End of story for him other than uh, June leaping in the car. Uh I think they got a back projection system and they were uh testing it out. I think in this episode. Uh, from on up high somebody says, "You know, we need car chases some sort of car thing going on in we have episode. to have a, we have to have a way to get june some heroics and yep. he needs to find a way to get tied in with the uh the bank robbers yeah exactly not bank robbers but uh, yeah yeah the, uh, thieves, the yeah. art art thieves yeah, and uh trying people are trying to start them anyway or stop them yeah yeah i also i also was very i had to apologize i, I you know to the to the tv because yeah. I thought, I thought that they were going to let June fire the freaking bazooka. Oh yeah, I thought so too. I thought I thought that was you know I thought first off I thought that was June there with the bazooka when they were riding in the car, and then and I thought really they're gonna they're gonna let they got a military guy in the vehicle, <laughs> presumably who has been I don't know trained to shoot a bazooka, and but our hero. Is going to have to fire it. I am yeah. so disappointed. And then they kind of shifted it so it's like, oh, wait, no, they're just going to use June as the guy who put the bazooka on the shoulder. And mm-hmm. I thought, they don't have any military guys trained to be bazooka shoulder guy? Well, he's the one driving the car. Again, it's, and that's then they switch over. And then suddenly we switch over and I realize, oh, wait, that's Ipe. That's, that's the problem with having identical uniforms. Oh, good point, yes. At, yes. at long distance. I thought it was June because June's the hero. Right, so he's going to be the guy firing the thing, but it was Ipe who gets to be shoulder guy, and June mm-hmm. is driving the jeep. Right, which again, don't you have a military guy to drive the military jeep for the military expedition to fire the military bazooka? Well, I just it, don't get this. They said they they watched the training film, so yeah, they're all checked out on jeep and bazooka <laughs> use. So yeah, jeep and, good. <laughs> bazooka okay. assist. 
I did bazooka during the war. Me too. I was his bazooka shoulder guy. All right, well, you guys go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and did you do any? Uh, did you do any checking to see whether potash has any sort of uh, uh, tie-in to killing snails or something? Oh, it'd probably do the Blinding. trick. Yeah, it, it'd probably do nasty stuff to him. I, I suspect it would, but usually you think of things like salt. Uh, I think because it's, it's more caustic than salt. It'll actually, it's it's a strong base, if I remember right. So it'll it'll dissolve the guy quick, much mm. better than much better than salt would. And and why did they have to shoot it and blind it before they could burn it? Um, I'm going to guess it's so it wouldn't, uh, burn their faces off with its eye beams. Which it didn't do to the guy bringing the bazooka up with the caustic potash and explosives mixture. That's right. But, you know. I, I feel like they could have delivered. Well, once again, I don't think, uh, good plot development was really on the schedule for this episode. <laughs> Perhaps not. I, I think but... this was a, uh, this was a, a story that was turned in five minutes before deadline. And the uh, director was no time on for vacation. Drafts. Exactly. He was on vacation. And they're going to have to start shooting on Monday. So, you know, just do it. I also do truly appreciate, I think they called him Zero, but I'm not, I won't swear to that. The, uh, the, the guy that was assigned to kill Liang Ming, you know, he's like, the boss is there. It's like, you go and you make sure Liang mm-hmm. Ming is killed. And he goes, right, boss. So he goes, so... For the listeners that I didn't give this detail, that guy then goes to a room where they're locked in. They've locked the barricaded themselves in. It's yep. got a metal door. So they got a guy with a blowtorch there and they're cutting the door open and they're going to they're going to shoot guns through the door and <laughs> kill the people because he's got to kill Liang Bing. But but while this is happening, his boss is killed. The the giant snail bursts through the building causing causing the ceiling to fall on him and the other guy that's cutting through the door. So they look to be dead. Then Liang Ming blows the door off the hinges onto Mm -hmm. the top of those two guys, big metal door, and they escape, and the whole complex is coming down. And then suddenly that guy turns out he didn't die. And so what does he think to do? Better keep following Liang Ming and kill her. And they're rescued by the military, they escape this underground complex, which is being crumbled by a giant snail. And somehow he figures out where they're going to be and gets hold of a sniper rifle. It's the same one that was used to shoot the uh, sure, but, spy. Sure, but really, did he go back into the complex to get it? It wasn't like it was slung over his shoulder. It's probably in his trunk of his car. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And then he's still out to kill her. Mm-hmm. It's like... That is dedication to a lost cause. Your boss is not going to pay you for this. Right. Unwavering dedication is the only way to get it ahead in an organization such as that. Even if your boss is dead, you know, there will be references asked for your next job. References for the next job, job, yes. Mm -hmm. Did you you carry out his final order even though you didn't get paid for it? Ah, yes, I did. And he was dead? Yes. Mm, You're our man. Yes. Here, take (laughs) this, deliver this ticking box. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was silly. Uh, <laughs> I don't have anything else on this one. Uh, let me look at my notes. Um, uh, poor excuse for car chase. Real spy <laughs> gadgets burned his face off. Um, Which we didn't get to see. 
No, uh, special effects. Good ex- good example of uh, tell, don't show. Yep. Less oh, yeah. Less is yeah. more. Yeah. Spy. Why so freaked out about the back of the car? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's right. Well, then I suppose we should turn our attention to the devil child. Spoilers, folks. It, our premise about there being a child in every episode is not going to be broken in this episode because uh, there's a kid yeah. in it. Yep. Technically two, but we'll get to that later. All right. Uh, episode 25, The Devil Child. A series of mysterious roadway accidents in the early hours of the morning are mysterious. June, the gang, and even Professor Ichinotani are enjoying a night out at a magic act. They witness a child, Lily, being hypnotized and then seemingly projecting a ghostly image of herself. Ichinotani seems troubled. He thinks Lily may have an unusual bioelectrical field that allows her to be easily hypnotized. Experimenting on Ipe, Ichinatani splits his soul from his physical body to demonstrate to June and Yuriko. Demonstrate what, you may ask? Beats me. That Ipe is a perfect lab rat, perhaps? Ichinatani is, as always, exactly right. Each night, the girl's father hypnotizes her to sleep, and in that state, her soul leaves her body and kills people just to gather little trinkets. When June confronts Lily about her growing collection of trinkets, she says she doesn't know where they come from. She just wakes up, and they're there. Also, sometimes when she wakes up, she has blood on her face and hands. You know, as you do. This has got Ichinatani really worried. He thinks the child's soul wants to kill the child's physical body, and, indeed, the two are walking hand in spectral hand down railway tracks at night, waiting for a train. Ichinatani has a soul integrator device, and Ipe uses it to reintegrate the soul into the child, just in time for Jun to leap out and snatch the child away from the oncoming train. The end. Uh, <laughs> the Devil Child. All right, what do you think mm-hmm. of the Devil Child? <clears throat> uh, you know, actually, I kind of like this one, even if it did have a kid in it. Um, <laughs> uh, probably because a kid, uh, an aspect of the child was actually trying to uh, uh, kill people. <laughs> but it was actually quite sad because the child was just trying to get back to its its uh, uh, her dead mother. Yes, and doesn't know her mother's dead. Yeah, right, right. Just you know, gonna go to the mountains. Apparently, maybe that's, that's a euphemism that's in, in, in Japan, Japan instead death. of gone to the farm. Yeah, upstate New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, again, it, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I'm, I'm not busting on it. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're expecting that? Okay. Well, all right. Let, 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 me, let me give you an example. Okay. Very early in the episode. Very early in the episode. Guy's driving down the road at Mm -hmm. night, or actually early in the morning. As he drives by, we can see that the guardrail isn't fully bolted in place. Right. And then the guy is terrified, and he crashes the car and dies. Right. Exactly. And the little girl is taking something from everyone that she kills. Mm Mm-hmm. What did she take from that crime? I believe she took a nut and a bolt from the guardrail. Exactly. So no actual connection to the guy dying. 
No, no, he just freaked out when she saw or when he saw a ghost and swerved through a barricade, which probably wouldn't have stopped him anyways. Yeah, and they've even said that at 120 kilometers an hour, that guardrail wasn't going to help anyway. Yeah. So that was a little bit weird. Right. Um, I mean, I'm guessing the kid is evil. I mean, it's a devil well, child. Her so, spirit I mean, is. <laughs> she could have collected these things without killing people. Right, she could have gotten the flashlight from the guy without causing him to right. fall to his yeah, death. Yeah, I suppose, but that wouldn't have made such a great story. There's a really weird scene where the the waking girl, the physical girl, is talking mm-hmm. to the woman who does yep. her hair. You're right, yes. and and she says something like, "Oh, that's so nice. Can I have it?" And I was, "Oh, my grandmother gave this to me." And when she died, oh, but can I have it? I said, oh, no, no, I'm not going to give it to you. I'll tell you what, I'll promise you. I'll give it to you when I die. Do you promise? I promise. And and her dad comes in. Oh, you shouldn't say things like that. <laughs> yeah. Did that woman get killed? Uh, apparently, yes. But totally off camera exactly. and never mentioned. Exactly. The only thing that you see that would, would identify her as being dead is that her amulet is in the... In the music the, box, in, yeah. In the music box. And I think one of them says that that was the necklace from the uh, acrobat who died or something like that. Or assistant, maybe? I don't know. I, I didn't catch anything weird. there that it just like odd. That it it they, identified her as somebody from the circus. But there you go. It, it right. Just, why would you not show that one? And then another one that was kind of strange about this episode when we go to the so the guy wrecks the car this is the beginning again and we roll the opening credits and we get one of the few episodes <laughs> where the guy does you know you're separating your mind from your body in the unbalanced zone and all that yes all that stuff and he they're showing pictures of auto wrecks and he's showing these are not staged wrecks for <laughs> a yeah. television program and i think he's not lying no i think those are crime scene pictures those are definitely you know, there was no bodies or anything in them, but I mean, they were definitely wreckage photos of automobile accidents. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Why, uh, why did we do that? Why did to, we call attention to the fact that they were real? I, I think that might have been 1960s shock and horror just to get people to watch. I, you know, are, you, are we supposed to think that the events in this story really happened? Like, we're showing you real stuff, so. This is Maybe. real. I I don't know. It was just just odd. <laughs> you know, the whole series is trying to to uh, build on the whole unbalance of things. So yeah, you know, and the car accidents happen. So it's like, well, maybe they are made by uh, caused by uh, spectral children roaming the streets at night. I guess it. I guess it could be. So we have a we have a scene where after the show. So during the show, what happens, and and this makes, this didn't work for me, honestly, because they, the girl is done up in, you know, a costume with her mm-hmm. hair up in little sort of pigtails, but she's got short hair, very short bowl haircut kind of thing. And they put her in a box, a hypnotizer, and they close mm-hmm. the box. And then a child materializes above the box and walks around in the air above the box yep and the child has completely different hair and doesn't look like the same kid to me i thought it was a boy (laughs) 
to be quite honest. I thought, you know, they put a girl in the cabinet, but a spectral boy materialized. And then they would just switch back and forth every once in a while later in the episode where Lily would either have her hair done one way or she'd have it done down the other way. And when it was done down the other way, you could tell it was the same. It was the same person, but it was just it was confusing that they would do that during the the performance. You would think that the spectral would look the same as the one they put in the cart uh, in the box because the audience would be able to tell that that's supposed to be a spectral version of the same. Just, just yeah, odd. It, yeah, it's, it's kind of odd. Uh, I also th- well, anyway, what I was going at was that afterwards, uh, the gang all go to a, the malt shop and uh, <laughs> discuss the, discuss the mystery or whatever, and uh, well, you know. Ipe's having a shaggy, shaggy Scooby special over there. The rest of them are chatting about the mystery. And uh, Ichnatani is giving this weird talk about, well, it's, you know, it's not really uh, hypnotism. It's cataplexy. And it's a <laughs> it's a function of people. Normal, all people have electrical voltage running through their bodies. Mm-hmm. It's very low. But some people have uh, a higher uh, electrical voltage to which June leaps in and says, so those people would be more susceptible to hypnotism. And Ichnatani doesn't slap him and say, I just told you it's cataplexy. <laughs> right? He instead, he says, exactly. Maybe, or something like that. I don't know what the deal was. Like, what was the point of that scene? And he, when he says it's like one in 10,000 people have that condition. Mm. Right? Then later in the episode, we see that Ipe must have that condition because they can just slam him in the electromagnetic box thing and split his soul from his body. <laughs> As if that's a daily occurrence in his lab. If yeah. it is, then I think there's, uh, you know, that in itself could be a whole other episode. <laughs> what, what exactly is this equipment for, Professor Ichitani? You have this big electric box with two chairs in it. And mm-hmm. you put somebody in it, and you zap them, and then they they split. And then when they come back, it's apparently for no purpose whatsoever. It's just to show he could do it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just an experiment. It's very much like making a, a potato-powered clock. <laughs> you know? Except it's a, an Ipe-powered clock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I gotta love Professor Ishinatani. He 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 doesn't uh, he doesn't waste any time using Ipe as a guinea pig. You know, I, I think the good professor was just really really close to being brought up on charges on the, on the, the uh, courts after the war. But uh, <laughs> like, I tell you what, we'll set you up with an institute, and you keep doing your work for us when nobody's looking. We'll be fine. Just, yeah, exactly. Just keep your head down. Oh. <laughs> So anyway, it's like, well, you know, then the kid could be doing this. And they find out that the dad, the kid needs to be hypnotized to go to bed. Yeah. Creepiest, creepiest oh, looking man. dad guy I've ever oh, seen. Oh, it is the Japanese Boris Karloff. It Holy is. Cow. Man. He really reminded me of Boris Karloff. At, but I'll tell you where he reminded me of Boris Karloff the most. In the final scene when he was dressed oh, as the clown. That was kind of weird. stuff of nightmares. Yeah. But I, I did notice that he was not moving like an old man, like he was before when he was dressed as an old man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that or not, he had, you know, he was walking around like his hips hurt him and stuff. But when he was on stage as a clown, he w- had fluid motions of standing upright and stuff. He uh, so, he took uh, 
he was drunk off so. his ass. <laughs> Sucker know. from the, the crowd energy. Oh, that's that it. Point. Yes. Yeah. There we go. But uh, so the dad hypnotizes the girl. And so the girl's been doing this her whole life. And therefore, that's why she's reached this state where whenever she's out, her body right. splits. Um, just some people that need to be hypnotized to sleep. <laughs> Dear. So now why wow. is the soul trying to kill the body? I think it's because her her body wants to go to where her mother is, but the soul realizes that her mother's dead. That's my that's all oh, I got. Oh, okay. So you're thinking that if the body gets killed then the soul can go join mom too. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, maybe. I, I'm still kind of wondered though, because the girl stays where she is and her her spirit travels around killing people. Right. Okay. I, I Why then does only... she wake up with bloody hands and face? I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe sometimes she does go walking with with her ghost, her spirit being. And and it's not like she's killing these people by violence. I mean, she's not affecting the violence on these people. She's just scaring them into killing themselves, basically. Exactly. I think that's just completely incidental. It doesn't, you know, she's not doing it on purpose. Just trying to get little trinkets because they're nice, and uh, they yeah. they die, yeah, and and so yeah, it's not her fault that uh, she terrified them into death. And yet, the way she's laughing, it kind of sounds like she is. Oh, maybe you know, it's sort of it's sort of a diabolical <laughs> the evil child. I mean, they do call it the devil child. I mean, it is yeah, it is. Uh, I, I think they were very very proud of the work they were trying to do incorporating a semi-transparent girl into the background because they had a lot of scenes where it looked like it didn't look natural, mm-hmm. but you could tell that they were trying to synchronize the, the walking movements of the child yeah. with the movements of the background, including one point where she actually stops and they stop the camera and they stop the movement of the background, and then she starts walking again, and they and it it moves on. Like yeah, that was on the train track, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that where that particular piece happened. But there were a lot of other places where you could tell they were piece happened. But there were a lot of other places where you could tell they were really trying. Obviously, it's primitive technology, and so it doesn't match perfectly. But I think it works. I think that must have been what the the FX department was working on this week, and they're like. Let me have some scenes where we can have her walking around because I think we can make this look. You know, it may not have been done much in in the past. A lot of times, you know, when you do a double exposure like that, yeah, which I assume image. is how they were doing it, uh, doesn't doesn't try to move naturally in the environment that it's in. Right, because you'll shoot your your master plate, and then you'll have the person who's a ghost probably walking in a, a black room. Mm-hmm. And you'll just superimpose the person walking over something. And, uh, you know, it, it might be difficult. It would be. Uh, actually, I know that it is difficult to match up the angle of the floors right. with the camera and all that kind of stuff. So you always have that chance of it looking like they're floating. It, it felt like they were trying really hard. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. succeeding necessarily in all cases, but they were trying really hard to to push the bar on that. Uh, you know, a, a weekly TV series in the 1960s, black and white. Yeah, I'd say that they, they pulled that off. 
Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not busting on. I just it's a, there was a lot of it, and mm-hmm. you know there were a couple times when they were doing it, and you're just like, okay, you're just doing that to see if you can. Like when she was walking on the water. Yeah, that yeah, was exactly. a weird scene. That one just yeah. didn't work because she's not, you know, not splashing the water, and it just it did look like she was floating. Um, well, yeah, yeah. The uh, the her non corporeal uh, uh, being was going out for a stroll, so. She wouldn't interact with the water anyways. But, uh, but like I said, when she was walking on the ground, they tried to make it look like she was walking on the ground, not floating Mm -hmm. over it. Right. You know, and it looked, they were trying to make it look like she was walking on the water, but that one was harder to convincingly, convincingly do. Uh, another odd bit about this is we meet two colleagues of Yuriko in this. (laughs) Oh, yes. A reporter and a photographer who are working on the first traffic accident that we see mm-hmm. and um guys complaining the photographers complaining about the fact that there have been a lot of these in the morning and the other one goes oh it's just because your your new wife is upset that you're having to go out to work in the morning and then later on they're taught they're in the newsroom and they're talking about how little trinkets are stolen from the dead bodies and is it yuriko or june that says to the photographer uh you know they you know would they take your wedding ring mm-hmm. and if they killed you and spoiler alert the girl kills him later on and takes the wedding ring yep but he has absolutely nothing to do with that girl at all yeah. in this story he he never comes close he never he never talks with her he's never you know doing a report on her it's absolutely unrelated and when she kills him he's he's flying in a freaking airplane mm-hmm. and and the girl which is a nice scene where the little girl it's almost william shatner and the, <laughs> the gremlin the little girl yep. sticking her face through the sesta window looking at him and then for some reason they wrecked yeah he just starts pulling back on the stick and, and the then they go down. stalls out and just belly flops into the mountain yeah <laughs> that that and then you know the the photographer who is the passenger is uh, is killed, and the ring shows up in the music box the yeah. next day. And it's like, okay, that's a little too on the nose. I think that uh, that one of the three, June, Ipe, or uh, Yurko, are uh, somehow they're amplifying. Well, it must be Ipe it, because he's it, the one that can be split. <laughs> yeah, it could be uh, somehow <laughs> intentions or. Somehow subconsciously communicating on this special plane or something like that. I'm not sure. Obviously, I'm reading way too much into this. <laughs> you know, this you is are. episode 25 of 28, and you know, I'm I'm just kind of getting a little punchy here. I think I think at this point we have realized <laughs> that there is no deeper meaning. Uh, <laughs> but boy, we're the, trying to read one in there. We are trying to put one in there because, <laughs> oh, man. doggone it, that's we're we're, we're gonna we cue in on the hell out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it'd be nice if in a couple years that's no longer relevant. Yeah, people would. are going. What does that joke mean? What the, I don't understand. Yeah, we're yeah. I got nothing else on this one either. Uh, nope, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think we're we're out. Well, next time we'll be looking at twenty sixth and twenty seventh episodes of Ultra Q, and I will mm-hmm. tell you there are twenty eight. So we are yep. rapidly training in. On the end of the road. John, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's been a pleasure as always. Listeners, 
I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Fusion Patrol, we hope you'll consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol or buymeacoffee.com slash fusion patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently doing a special series on Season 2 of Babylon 5. There's over a decade of previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on our website or Twitter. You can also find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com slash FusionPatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.